Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a devotional that will speak to you no matter what your current relationship is with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. Well, I don't know about you, but here in Texas, it is getting just a little chilly. <laughs> so, and we're not used to it. Um, it's interesting to me that in a few days, uh, we're, it's going to be five degrees here, which, I mean, that may be normal for Green Bay, Wisconsin, and, you know, and up in Montana and those parts of the country. But, oh, man, I tell you what. We don't know what we're doing. I, you know, it's it's interesting to me when it gets like that. This is what we do. Put a fire in the fireplace, and I get to sit around and write. And um, and I've been working on a few books, and, and especially as we talk about today's devotional, um, there's one book I'm excited about. But I, we're doing something else right now. We're reissuing a grandparenting book and uh, have been working on it. And... Um, uh, it'll be my first hardcover book, which I'm kind of excited about, and I'm not really sure why. I'm not really sure why it matters that I have a hardcover book, but it's uh, it's kind of interesting. The other thing that that I've been uh, working with a fellow in Nashville that is that is doing all the illustrations for a book that uh, will come out this summer. It's called Where Stitch, and if you know anything about me, you know that I have had golden retrievers. Uh, for 42 years. And Stitch was the last of a lineage of dogs that that we had, and she died last year. And I'm, I'm still not over it. it. It's one of those things that have... Uh, uh, have just it's just been tough because she was a, a member of our family and she was like a our third child and um, so anyway I wrote a book because I, I just felt that. Uh, we the ideas and the and the thoughts that we give kids when we say that a dog dies we say they cross the rainbow bridge and I don't even know what that is or or perhaps they went to doggy heaven and I didn't know there's a doggy heaven or a kitty heaven or a lizard heaven or you know and the truth of it is I don't know where Stitch is um, but I know she left some great memories and I learned a lot from a dog that slept with Jane and I every night. And so anyway, the title of the book is, is uh, We're Stitch, and it'll come out sometime this summer. Uh, the Hallmark uh, people that uh, where I go and do the Hallmark show on a regular basis, they encouraged me to, to write a book about my dog, and I did. And and it's a children's book. And uh, so anyway, that's coming up. But you know what, I, what I'm really excited about is really a book that I've been working on for a couple of years. And it, and it follows today because it's a 365-day devotional book that'll come out sometime this summer, or maybe I'll get finished this summer and it'll come out in the fall. But it's just a devotion for every day, and, and there are smaller devotions instead of these long ones that I usually give. I, I think when I start writing down things, I get kind of carried away a little bit of of making sure we talk about everything that needs to be talked about. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoy those books when they come out and if you enjoy them half as much as uh, I've enjoyed writing them, um, I'm sure that that you will be blessed uh, because they they truly come from the heart. One of the guys said, "Mark, do you really write all of this?" And I go, "Yes, uh, 
I have to work twice as hard. So I, all this being said, I get excited about bad weather in Texas, rainy, cold weather, where I can sit at home around a fireplace and write. And uh, it's the perfect place for me. And and uh, I enjoy that. Anyway, today's devotion, uh, you know, it's going to come out of uh, Philippians 2, 3. And um, for me, this has been a scripture that I have uh, known forever. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. And I want to tell you about a young lady that I have valued uh, ever since I met her. Her parents uh, named her Kaylee, but I nicknamed her Skunk. Uh, the first time that I saw Kaylee, she was directing her deluge of, of uh, or is it deluge? Maybe it's deluge of disrespect toward her parents who silently sat and cried as she pummeled them with these accusatory bombshells of contempt conjuring up anything she could to hurt the two people who had spent a lifetime offering her nothing but a wonderful home filled with love and acceptance. And her parents, you know, comments to me hinted that that Kaylee had, had been a good kid until she turned 13 and turned vicious toward them. And I eventually named her Skunk because of my first encounter with her when the interaction uh, described in one word, it stunk. Uh, not to mention that she also had a bleached white stripe down the middle of her long black hair. The first time we met, I approached her and and I greeted her, and not knowing that I was the founder of the place called Heartlight, uh, she, where she was going to be spending the next year of your, her life, she responded by asking in this uh, monotone voice, what do you do here? And I said, well, um, I'm the maintenance man. And her cool response was, really? Well, you need to do a better job because this place is a dump. <laughs> so with voices bouncing around in my head that shouted, respect your elders and make a good first impression, I realized that, that my maturity and experience meant nothing to this young lady um, and if respect is an outward expression showing a deep admiration towards someone because of their abilities or qualities or achievement, there was none here. Thus began a relationship between a skunk and a maintenance man. You know, and skunk was really no different than most kids are today. I mean, her parents were loving people, and they only wanted the best for her, and they had a wonderful relationship uh, with her all through her preteen years. And if they faulted in anything, it was, was, th was that they underestimated the influence of a culture that was exposing their child to w way too much, way too early, and how the lack of real connection in her life was affecting their connection with their daughter. And her parents were blindsided by the change in her teen years, and, and Skunk was being influenced without even knowing it. And like many kids... Uh, Skunk was withholding respect for authority in her life, um, who potentially could be held as a source of wisdom because she was blindsided by the cultural influence. So as parents allow more freedoms to their child as they age, chances are they'll be exposed to more and more information online. And as they're introduced on the internet to new perspectives and alternative ways of life, and something changes.
they hear more, they see more, and, they, and experience more as they also begin to feel more and think about life more and their identity and where they fit in in society. All happening as their world's expanding beyond their family's influence. You know, think about what a preteen or teen hears, sees, or reads about. Not about what captures our attention, but what captures their attention. And what captures their attention most are those stories and images about people. I mean, they watch these daily reality shows. They read stories about celebrities. And they're attracted by scandals and gossip and real-life interaction and sexually charged reporting. There are more videos because there are more video cameras capturing activities. And there's more pictures because... Most people have a camera on their smartphones in their pockets, and there's more TV stations to report. There's more radio stations, internet newscasts, and weather channels to tune into. There's more sources of news and networks of information that let us know quickly of anything happening or any activity that's taking place. And there is so much information that it's difficult for teens and preteens to, to really decipher what's been exaggerated from the cold, hard truth. And on top of it all, uh, much information gets so twisted to satisfy the agendas of anyone promoting their cause or supporting their mission. One group tells us one thing and another group tells us another. And the intent here is to talk about the same mechanism in which information about all these happenings and actions is transferred and what that mechanism is doing to teens and how it affects their concepts of respect for those in authority. So that's what I want to talk about is the, the effect that this culture is having on teens and how it changes their concept of respect for those that are in authority. And that mechanism is the widespread distribution of information. The message is the opinion formed from the delivery of their data, and the target seems to be those in authority or those in high stature. And the result is the interpretation of the message in the mind and heart of a young person who can barely sift through all the piles of information to determine what is truth and what is falsehood. You know, I feel like I possess a pretty good level of discernment in scrutinizing what I listen to and what I watch. It comes with the wisdom of age, but I have to admit, even I don't know what to believe many times when I have so much information piled into my sometimes slow filtering brain. And if at times I have trouble, you know, sifting uh, fact from fiction— and what's real and from what's an accusatory attack, I, I can only imagine the difficulty that teens are having in their assessment of what's really going on. So when they hear about a few crooked politicians, do you think they question all politicians' intent? When they hear of teachers having sex with fellow students, does it change their concept of teachers? If a child hears about the sexual tryst of a president, do you think it changes their perspective of all the people that hold that office? And what do you think many kids think of priests with all the reported sexual abuse saturating the news? When a child hears of a professional athlete's failures, does it taint their image of professional athletes? Or how about the minister of the gospel that's sleeping with another man's wife and they find out about it? Or hearing about a Boy Scout leader who's not leading boys down the right path? Or worse, it's disheartening when they hear of a parent who's killed their own child or, or spouse or has abandoned their family. 
You know, I wonder how a teen interprets the excessive and sometimes embellished information spouted over and over on so many news sources. When the distribution of information turns from happenings and actions to those people in authoritative places, and the intensity of the news output is rapid and constant and often exaggerated, a teen who lacks a developed skill of discernment will either shut off the input or worse, they'll lose all the respect for a person in the position of authority and consequently lose respect for others in similar positions. And so I have, a, I have a tremendous respect and admiration for people in positions of authority. And I have that respect because I've been the recipient of their kindness and their gratitude and, and their service. And I rarely have heard anything negative about authority figures while I was growing up either because it didn't happen or things just weren't exposed or mentioned. But, but as a result, I didn't lose respect. But that's not the way it is today. Kids and teens today have heard it all, and they, they do not hold people in authoritative positions in a high regard. You know, and, and I've always mentioned that I feel that teens live in a world dominated by judgment of others, where the intention of so many is to discredit those few in positions of authority, rather than giving the credit that is due to so many. There's just as many heroes and great acts from deservingly respectful people, and young people just don't hear those stories uh, often from the media. You know, one bad apple doesn't always spoil the bushel, but it seems that that bad apple is all we hear about. And when that is all teens hear about, they eliminate apples from their diet. So most teens don't believe as their parents do about people in authority. Respect is no longer given just because uh, somebody holds a position. And that, that, that eroding trust begins at, uh, as the deluge of information moves from a trickle that begins early to a turbulent, treacherous river of negativity that lingers long to discredit and eliminate the respect of authority in their life. And the effect is a shifting of their mindset about respect. And the first shift is when teens shift their respect for people to respect for things and possessions, which further fuels their sense of entitlement. And parents and others are viewed as a means to an end rather than a source of knowledge and understanding. And it's this world of appearance and performance that possessions are critical to teens and anger is an emotional response to not getting what one wants. The second shift of respect is, is, is that adolescents don't often give respect unless it's earned. I mean, there's just a mindset that simply says to all authority figures, if you want respect, then you have to show me a sense of respect. And the, and the third shift of respect is that many teens expect to see bad before they see good in anyone. And as childish as it may sound, it's an attempt to protect themselves from having to untangle so much information. In many ways, it's easier just to assume that something is bad rather than to integrate new concepts. And the sad result of this shift is that wisdom is rejected before it ever has a chance to either be displayed with actions or come out of one's mouth. That's what happened to Skunk. She cut off the escape route. Her parents, other parents, teachers, coaches, and others she had once respected. From the world of confusion she found herself in, 
and was then doomed to try to survive in her own world of disconnected relationships. And this shifting of respect and consequential cutoff uh, of the impartation of wisdom from uh, potential respected resources, coupled with the lack of relational connections with peers, creates an atmosphere that fuels and magnifies normal adolescent attitudes and characteristics and plummets teens deeper and deeper into despair. You know, normal teenage angst can be described as feelings of dread and anxiety about the human condition or an apprehension about one's ability to handle goals and expectations or the feelings of unhappiness that no one understands them, but they're angry for no reason. Bad news affirms their perception of a cruel and suffering world, and worry and feelings of uncertainty may overwhelm their attitudes and ability to pull out of their funk, making those 7th and 8th grades um, an emotional roller coaster ride. And for many, this is just a normal part of adolescence, you know, where um, uh, years will pass. But this angst also, also elevates to the points of anxiety that takes over one's emotions. Skunk entered her adolescent years and encountered the accelerated exposure, the great disconnect for people, the bombardment of information, and the elimination of respected individuals in her life as a cultural wave swept her away to a deserted island of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. And left to her own survival, she began to engage in behaviors that were hardly acceptable by her parents and barely right in her own eyes to get her through her turbulent teen years. And during this time, loving and wise people offered help but they were only allowed to stand by and watch this tragedy happen. Hey, do you think that respect is important? Yeah, I don't flinch a bit when I tell parents that one of the most important attributes that should be displayed in the home, it is the single most important quality that parents can require and facilitate within their home. Disrespect should be met with consequences at any level of your child's development. And equally, respect for each other, and in particular, uh, those uh, that have something to offer your child, has got to be encouraged and homegrown. There is hope. There is opportunity. And you can keep this way from destroying a concept of respect that you've developed through the years with your child. And so here's some important considerations in dealing with a culture that is, that is pushing our kids to uh, not only have no respect, but to show a great sense of disrespect. Here they are. Know this. Know that the wave is coming. If you have preteens, know that the wave is coming. Don't be blindsided. Your child will be influenced by the culture's disrespect. And it is better to start having discussions early before your child loses respect than to wait until your child has already lost it and eliminates you from his or her world. Here's the second thing. Give your child an example that is worthy of respect. You know, it's, it's difficult to talk about respect if, if you're not worthy of respect in the eyes of your child. And if you've made mistakes that have discredited you, your personal example, just the identifying of that blemish and asking your child for forgiveness has an amazing way of redeeming respect within the family. 
Don't merely say you're sorry, but ask for forgiveness. Saying you're sorry sometimes just covers your transgression. Asking for forgiveness shouts of wanting to restore a relationship. Here's a third thing. Discuss with your children what media is saying about celebrities and public figures. And when you hear of any authority that has fallen, be quick to discuss what has happened to keep the seeds of discord and discredit from rooting in the heart of your child. Here's the fourth thing. Talk about the people that you respect. I'm, I'm sure that you've heard that it takes four positive comments to make up for the damage of one negative comment. Uh, same is true here. Let your child know of stories of integrity and courage and share stories with them about influential people in your life and let them know that they can't always believe what they hear and say, but they can't always rely on your example and your truthfulness. And the reason that this is so important is that I've found that that once there is a lack of, of respect of relationships within the home, there's usually an overwhelming lack of respect for others and a disregard for, for the position of the authority that, that people hold, in particular, parents. Somebody asked me, how's your relationship with Skunk now? I've got to tell you, it is one of great mutual respect. But it didn't come because I demanded or expected it. It happened because I was intentional about not only building respect into our relationship, but keeping it from being lost. And that's a relationship that's worthy of respect. So let me give you Philippians 2, 3 again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Hey, many of you know that this podcast and our radio broadcast and conferences and seminars that, that we put on across the country are all listener-supported. And our desire is to help families everywhere and continually offer help and hope to parents and teens in a broken world. Your financial support makes all that happen. Would you be so kind to remember us in your year-end giving? All donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Hey, thanks for your help. You can donate at parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.